really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big trust. Big, big trust. trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me We're back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 13th. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How are we doing, sir? Doing well. It's cruising along here. Been a, a really nice win, and sometimes throughout the last couple of years, the Ravens will have some of these crazier games, and they might pull out at the end, and obviously they've dropped quite a few at the end as well, and sometimes it's kind of like this, this dark cloud can still be over them even after they win at times. And just doesn't feel like it's the case at all. And definitely had some mistakes. See guys like Marlon Humphrey get picked on a good bit. Uh, definitely see some things on tape as I'm perusing through here. I'm not finished with their defensive efforts yet. But Rams gave them everything they had. And I think that's what we kind of expected in the preview. We were like, this team really would love to win this game in Baltimore. It would propel them into a really good shot. into finding that wild card and getting in the mix there in the NFC. So... I think that Sean McVay and the Rams really did throw the kitchen sink at the Ravens. And for so many stupid things to happen, Lamar Jackson punting the ball out of the back of the end zone at one point, halfway in like absolute total frustration, but also just to make sure nothing else stupid happened after that. They overcame a lot of dumb mistakes. And I think that was interesting and fun. They turned the ball over a couple times. They spotted the, the safety. They, made mistakes on offense and, of course, on defense and still came out on top against a team that is solid and gave them everything they had. So I've been kind of relishing in it. I've been enjoying myself. And, yeah, it's a, a good week. It feels like a good win that the Ravens can build on, and I'm excited to see this final stretch of games here. How are you feeling? Feeling okay. Yeah, and I agree. I think it was one that they needed to have um, considering the way that they lost their three games this season, particularly the first two losses that they had. You know, it just felt like all those moments where they could have shot themselves in the foot and we'd be looking back and we'd be talking about John Harbaugh throwing that challenge flag or not going for that fourth down or the uh, Linderbaum bad snap. Uh, we're not dealing with that this week. And in fact, it felt like, uh, you know, felt like they, they had their, their fortunes reversed a little bit there on that punt return touchdown. When is the last time they got kind of lucky like that at the end of the game uh, that led to them directly winning? I feel like it's been a while. And they were well overdue for it. So They certainly were. And heck, I mean, even a little bit lucky there. I do think Humphrey had a nice recovery, but Cooper Cup on the Rams' final drive where they go and kick that field goal, I mean, could have been a touchdown. Could have definitely been a touchdown. Could have burnt him. And then major offense have to go back out there and try and score a touchdown with very little time left. Um, Marlon Humphrey kind of, I guess, is the negative takeaway for me in this one, but I don't think it's going to last. I think it is him getting thrown back into the fire. Our boy Denard Melton made a nice point too that, you know, rust is real when you do only play one game in that 20-day span. There will be a little rust, and you go have a couple guys get back out there and a couple things like that. So definitely a wake-up call. I think the Rams did some interesting things in terms of bunching three receivers together in tight alignments and forcing the Ravens to sort and the Rams definitely felt like they had answers when the Ravens wanted to mug and put Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen there while the Rams had those stacks. We see Puka Nakua just fly over the middle of the field completely uncovered. They didn't sort that out. Uh, they slide 
Cooper Cup under on an explosive play, I believe, in the first half where Marlon Humphrey just sucks into a boot and lets Cooper Cup run down the sideline. Demarcus Robinson had his moment. So uh, Matt Stafford, I think, was really impressive. Is having a really impressive year. I went to go look at some passing just metrics earlier and was actually surprised to see he has the lowest catchable ball rate in the NFL among qualified passers, the lowest on target percentage. And I think he did such a good job and I think Lamar Jackson also did a good job in what became really a kind of a heavyweight fight between, I'll say, two quarterbacks that don't get enough respect for how they're playing this season of throwing the ball away. We saw Lamar throw the ball away a couple of times, throw it into the ground, throw it at people's feet. Stafford got rid of at least three balls, just chucked them overhead out of bounds a couple of times. And losing battles will allow you to put up points. We saw both of these offenses do that. So it was an awesome fight between those two. Going back through the tape has been a lot of fun. And I just released a video that I put out on our YouTube page. Like and subscribe if you are watching on YouTube and go check out. I just called it OBJ is back. He looked fucking great. Like to go back and think about it, that was the thing that stood out to me was opening drive, unbelievable adjustment to the ball. Hits a little double move that kind of seemed like maybe a touch of freestyle based on a look. So Lamar threw it to an area and wrong shoulders it, turns back, sticks out one paw. Has the double move for a touchdown, says he ran the wrong route. I, I get into that. Scoops one off the floor as we uh, we forgot to to get going there. It's all right. Just keep <laughs> it. I'll, I'll just put a thing over the uh, the initial there. For anyone listening on the podcast, the, uh, the video has now started recording. So if you want to go check it out on YouTube, you can do that. But the first five minutes will have uh, some sort of graphic on it. So shout out to go. me. So you can go check out. If you're, if you're just watching on YouTube, go check out OBJ is B-A-C-K. So yeah, that was really, I mean, that's brilliant timing by me to plug the uh, the YouTube video there get the, the video rolling on this where it segued perfectly. So uh, just the, the way the, the Ravens locked into something we did too. Absolutely. Yeah, I know it's interesting. And like people seem very, very happy with the win kind of have, you know, ready to enjoy it. But it's almost like, you know, you talk about nitpicking, even wins. It feels like people aren't really doing that. They're now kind of like looking ahead and myself included was doing a little bit of this today where it's like looking ahead on the schedule, what's going to have to happen for them to do this, what are the uh, permutations? Shout out to Rico Bosco uh, for them winning the division, for them getting that one seed. But obviously, uh, they've gotten a lot of help in regards to that one seed lately with uh, Jacksonville losing to the Browns. Then uh, last night, the uh, Dolphins taking a, a big fat L to Eric's Titans uh, there with Will Levis and the boys uh, with the uh, furious fourth quarter comeback there. So Ravens all alone at the top in the one seed right now. And it feels like, you know, there, there's a tough stretch of games in front of them still to be played here. So it uh, brings on mixed emotions for me, for sure. Definitely does. And at this point, there's one month of football left, four games. So you can go get a feel for what team strength and strengths and weaknesses are, how they've adjusted over time. And man, this Ravens team just doesn't really have one weakness. And the Rams did throw the kitchen sink at them. And it's like, well, what did the Rams do well? They forced the Ravens to sort defensively really well. They had some really clean stuff from our boy, Sean McVay. And they ran the ball a little bit, but I think that's what the Ravens are like willing to concede. I think they were fine with that. And then as soon as they didn't want the Rams to run anymore, they went from nickel back to base. They brought an extra down lineman in. So they had three down linemen, two outside linebackers and took the runaway. So, it required some special plays a couple times. Ref, refs bailed them out. Marlon Humphrey made a couple of mistakes, and I think those are things that you can sort out. I think it was just literally sorting out three-man concepts that were in tight and super fast. So 
what is the the weakness of this Ravens team, man? The the offensive line has quietly been playing together for a while now. Ronnie Stanley comes back, has a couple games under his belt. Simpson's been there all year. Linderbaum's been there most of the year since his ankle injury early. Zeitler's been playing really well. Morgan Moses looked healthy, and we kind of heard that that chest injury was really bad and looks like he's strong and feels good again. So that's your original starting five, and you have them late in the season. So, you know, they lost Mark Andrews. Humphrey's been in and out. A couple other guys at points, but healthy. It feels like that is just all they have to do, survive and advance. We're watching Barstool Survivor right now as that's coming out, which is great, and it feels like that's the Ravens theme, just survive and advance. Stay healthy. Keep Lamar Jackson upright. You'll win a lot of games, and they've done that. They've won, what, six out of seven now? Putting up 30 points a game over the last seven games. So, I don't know, man. It, it looks good. Todd, Todd Munkin's offense, the spacing looked good. There was not a bunch of bunched up stuff. Receivers were aware. Their eyes were up. They were awake, as I like to say. I saw Rashad stay, stay Bateman. Stay woke, receivers. The receivers are very woke in Baltimore. They're awake. They see into the matrix. They, they took the red pill. Not running with their eyes on the floor into someone else's zone. I saw several times Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Isaiah Likely. Oh, there's someone over there. I should probably go upfield or sit down. So that way we keep the space for the fastest quarterback on earth. So I think Todd Munkin's offense is starting to cook with some gas. Yeah, it seems that way. And I mean, I really got a shout out, and I think we talked about this on the recap show a little bit, uh, the offensive line and their plan for Aaron Donald. I mean, like we mentioned, they were obviously kind of triple teaming him a lot of the time and double teaming him at the very least. And, uh, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it seemed to work. He didn't, uh, I think he pretty much got blanked on the stack sheet. Uh, as I had mentioned, he had one pass defense, but it was uh, off of his helmet. So really way to use your head there, Aaron, but didn't have a ton of uh, a ton of production as far as the stack sheet goes. I'm sure he was uh you know, uh, as disruptive as he can be when he's getting kind of mauled like that and uh, over overcompensated for to an extent. But uh, they had that other guy, I think his name was Bobby Brown, who was pretty active. But other than that, not a not a ton of guys uh, getting in Jackson's grill and kind of making him do that panicky drop your eyes type thing. And that really is what I think allowed that deep passing game to flourish where you had Beckham making the uh, Willie Mays Hayes catch there on, I think, his first catch. And then obviously uh, the one where he uh, broke off the safety and then hit that little double move, that little sluggo and uh, wide open uh, at the end zone there. And then obviously likely it's just wide the frick open too. And Jackson had all kinds of time on that one. So yeah. And then the third and 17 too. I can't even forget about that. I mean, that, that one was, uh, it really required a lot of time for uh, Nelly to clear out that corner on the left side or that, uh, that deep left safety on the left side for Zay flowers that worked to perfection. So I, I got to shout out the offensive line here. I'm sure we'll get into that in segments, but uh Overall, I mean, yeah, the uh, the offense was humming, and I think they were a big part of that. They definitely were. Definitely were. Isaiah Likely's speed after the catch, something that's a nice feature in this offense and nice to see them get involved with. I think that Gus Edwards also quietly had a really, really, really nice game. Didn't have the big moment necessarily, but just continues to look clean. Uh, had a big block. The Ravens two times used a strong pistol, so they would have Gus Edwards aligned to Lamar Jackson's left on the first one. In overtime, they ran it, which was the same play. Gus Edwards did miss a block on that one on their only overtime possession. Uh, same play, but hit a nice block, and Gus Edwards was a four-star fullback in high school. He was the number one rated fullback in the country. So 
I think we'll see a little bit more of that, a little bit of that pistol with two backs back there. Let the big boy go block. I think you can have some fun variations, a little bit of our boy Brennan Marion, get some go-go type stuff, some play action option, triple option stuff kicking and going on. So uh, the other, I guess, other things just whipping around are that I, I did love that the Ravens kept pushing the ball and kept pushing the ball. And the Rams do play a little bit more shell, too high, conservative on the back end. And Lamar Jackson put a little too much air on one to Rashad Bateman, who also probably could have come back and fought for the ball a little more, was also a great play by the DB to pick the ball off, kind of baited it a touch it felt like, but kept at it, didn't let that deter them, kept pushing the ball over top, kept attacking, attacking space, attacking. I felt like the receivers, we talked about the other week, getting them the ball in stride on the move, letting them run after the catch, saw a good bit of those opportunities. And uh, man, I mean, Bateman did have a couple nice little plays, a couple little speed outs, sat down. Nelson Aguilar gets involved there. And Zay Flowers, just that Mike Tomlin quote, will just always live for me. He's absolutely right. Goes into dark places and isn't fearful at all and fought after the catch and made catches at the sticks and then pushed his smaller frame past the first down marker a few times. So helped this explosive day yet inconsistent day tie together. Uh, both teams, both defenses, did well on third down. Six of 16 for the Rams, four of 12 for the Ravens. Neither team tried anything on fourth down. So first and second down, I mean, that's where the pass game was was really popping off a lot of this time there. And uh, for all the kind of scores that the Rams did end up conjuring together, kick a couple field goals, the Ravens do get off the field in the red zone a couple of times or near it, but not really a, a ton of... There were some explosive plays allowed, but they made sure to go hunt them down, and that's something I was happy to see. Made sure to go end the play still. Cooper Cup down the sideline. Puka Nakua makes a couple plays. Um, Demarcus Robinson has a long play, but none of those were just free run to the end zone. Like Isaiah likely wheeled out, blown coverage, scored. So I was quite happy to see the Ravens at least rally enough on those plays to get off the field still or not at least just let up a long touchdown. And a lot to take away, but... We will say, I will say, I guess to kind of mega culpa it, I don't know if it's a mega culpa or not. I don't know how I feel about it at this point, but I'll say Stafford this year is the best quarterback they've played so far. I think he's been playing the best. I think he played them the best. Deshaun Watson did put on a really heroic effort late in that one, but I think Stafford was awesome from start to finish, minimized loss, didn't turn the football over, threw the ball away, and threw dimes. His touchdown to Cooper Cup over Marcus Williams. He let go of the ball. And, and when you see the all 22, he just takes Stafford just takes off like wheeling and fist pumping, like, ho, 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 like a rambling gambling. Like I just dimed that teardrop drop. Nate, Nate Tice tweeted it out. I, I didn't watch the tape, but Nate Tice tweeted it out. He let that ball go before cup was even like close to his break. Like he, he put it up there. It's cup. hadn't even like close to broken yet. It was crazy. It was it was such insane anticipation. And those two, that's about as good as, as chemistry as you're going to see between Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. It, it doesn't get much better than that. So I think we saw Dan Orlovsky also say earlier today, maybe it was yesterday, that he was like, hey, I said the Ravens haven't really played a great quarterback yet. And Matt Stafford kind of got on that ass a little bit. That's not exactly what he said, but I'll, I'll summarize for you, Dan. And now they're going to go see Trevor Lawrence, who, hey, does have an ankle and did just lose to the Browns. I haven't watched that tape yet, but then they'll go see Brock Purdy. Then they'll see Tua, who, whew, 
I don't know. That Dolphins team is hard to predict, and then they'll go see the best of them all in Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. But a couple good quarterbacks coming down the pipe here, and the Ravens are in the playoffs. I said that like a month ago. I'll say the Ravens have won the division. I think the AFC North is over with. I don't think that the uh, the Brownies or the Bengals are – well, I guess the Bengals don't even matter. I don't think the Brownies are going to win out. Um, could, sure. Joe Flacco. But this is a good time to figure your shit out. Like, you're going to have good quarterbacks down the pipe. I don't think fans are in a place of probably feeling like a bad anxiousness. It's probably more of an excited anxiousness when you're watching these games upcoming. Jaguars on prime time, 49ers on prime time. This is a good time for the Ravens, even if they lose games, even if they win games, figure your shit out. This is the last stretch of games you have. These don't mean as much. Like they're in. They're good. Division's pretty much wrapped up. In my head, it's over. I'm I'm calling it. So figure your shit out. I think the offense is. I think Zay Flowers is. I think Odell Beckham is. I think Isaiah Likely is. Rashad Bateman, not so much yet. Nelly Aguilar, very involved. Keaton Mitchell got the got all three backs working around. Justice Hill made some plays in this one. And offensive line coming together. So I'm looking at the, the Ravens secondary and Mike McDonald to, I don't know. Felt like, and I'm not finished the defensive tape, but it feels like maybe the bag of tricks is running low maybe you've kind of showed almost everything you have now. So the tape heads, the NFL coaches, the players, they're they're going to get some tendencies, and I think the Rams and McVay needing a win gave you a really good preview of what a team like the 49ers or the Chiefs or the Bills or the Jags or whoever you play in the playoffs are going to try to do to you. So – Getting that win and getting that little that little uh, rough draft or that little pre-test, I guess we can say, I think was about as good of a thing as you can have happen. And, man, Marlon Humphrey. You don't have a lot of time to get it right, but you do have a month. You do have a month to get it right. So see what you can do. Yeah, he's uh, he's got to tighten it up. I guess my mega culpa, and this happened during the game, I didn't love Tylen Wallace as a punt returner. Like him as a receiver. I like him as a potential rotational receiver. I know he's had all the injuries, so that's kind of wavered my faith a little bit over the last couple of years. But uh, always like that. Just didn't feel like there was a ton of straight line speed uh, or a ton of really quick twitch athleticism to uh, be a, a really effective punt returner. And man, he proved me wrong. I mean, that tackle breaking ability, we saw it at Oklahoma State. That really served him well on that one. And uh, yeah, not to belabor the point too much, but uh, it was just like Taylor was saying when he was talking to uh, Anthony, his roommate. He was like, I just hope he catches it. And I'm afraid that he's not going to. And uh, he did and made us all eat crow and uh, made the Rams eat crow too and uh, went and won that game for them. So Tylen Wallace fan club, uh, it starts with me and with Chris Aguilera. And uh, we were redeemed on Sunday. But I, again, the, the Tyler Wallace fan club did start with you. You you loved him. Yeah, out. yeah. Love, listen, love, love, love. love the value in the fourth round too. I mean, I felt like he was a second round type prospect. They get him there, and obviously, you, look, it hasn't totally panned out. But if you get literally, they got a win out of a fourth round pick. You if that equates to one NFL win for you, it's a pretty good fourth round pick. So shout out to you, Tylen Wallace. Let's keep that. Uh, Great keep special that. teams player. He's he's been good enough. And Harbaugh talked about how he made the cut over. Some other guys, him and Duvernay were the ones that rose to the cream and were better special teamers, did stick around, have made some plays. So definitely, yeah, still around. If your fourth round pick's still around making plays for you a couple years later, that's that's 
a fine pick. Yeah, no doubt. What else? Uh, I, 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 uh, fine, I'll, I'll throw this as a mega culpa. Kyron Williams, I feel like I didn't disrespect him in the preview. I thought you, but I thought you were complimentary. I was, but he was good. He was better than I, he was just better than I thought. He was better than I thought. He, and you could notice when the other back, what was it? Royce Freeman came in very efficient to get to the handoff, to get his feet going. Great feet. Great, 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 great feet. And I said, I didn't get to watch. I didn't really watch a lot of tape on the Rams. I just kind of looked around, saw some highlights, looked at some numbers, didn't get to be as thorough as I usually like to, but did a nice thing. And it's the same thing the Cardinals did. It's, duo and inside zone and trying to go get on Roquan Smith and go get on Patrick Queen. Roquan Smith didn't have a great day. Didn't have a great day. Still made a couple plays, but wasn't, you know, wow, Roquan Smith. Wow, he's really showing up. Got got a couple times. Uh, I think the best play I've seen from him in the first half so far is right about around where I am is a Cooper Cup screen on third and six, and he just sniffed it right out. Cooper Cup got out of his grasp, but everybody else was already there and rallied. So, uh, we just heard Roquan Smith on the Punchline podcast, which I listen to. I, I really do like to listen to the Punchline. They, the players that they have on, having guys like Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, a lot of, a lot of exciting, well-spoken guys. Kyle Van Noy, who feels like he's definitely going to be a media presence soon. Uh, Roquan already, Smith already kind just, of is. Yeah, but yeah, he already does, uh, what, Pat McAfee, I think, once a week maybe, and yeah. all that stuff. So a lot, of, a lot of good media guys on the Ravens this year, but... Roquan Smith said, I don't care if I have two tackles and have a shitty game as long as we win. And that's exactly what happened. He had a couple tackles and didn't play great. Got, got his ass blocked. He got blocked a lot. Just Rams offensive line got after him uh, early and often. And that's what teams have to do. That's I think that's what the Cardinals did. They ran the ball, the opening drive in Arizona, and I think scored a touchdown on that drive. I can't remember. And then the Rams kind of just carbon copied it. So we're just going to run downhill and make you come out of the defense you want to play. And the theme of the game to me was the Rams posed the question, or I guess answered the question, if you come out in nickel, we're going to run the ball. If you come out in base, we're going to throw the ball. It was like almost, it had to be extreme splits. Like if the Ravens came out in base, they I think they threw the ball, or excuse me, ran through the ball against base at least 75% of the time. Every time there was three down linemen, it felt like three out of four, four out of five, threw the ball, and if the Ravens were in nickel and neutral downs, Kyron Williams got the football put in his belly. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Ravens really just a media pipeline here. You've got a future inside the NFL panelist, Joe Flacco, notching another win this past weekend. That man will do anything to not spend time with his 11 kids. He certainly doesn't want to. He'll, he'll throw tuds if he has to. Saw the deep ball floating. I, I'm I'm going to go watch. I can't wait to go watch that game and. See exactly. We we can I'd stay on this one. I know you don't really want to talk about it. I just I had to get that media thing in there. The idea of him. No, I do. In, I do think it's fun and exciting that he is playing well in Cleveland. The idea the of Jets, him on, inside the NFL just fucking kills me. I think he'd be good at it, but yeah, it it might take some getting used to. I mean, Eli Manning, man, Eli Manning. Who would have thought when he was in like year thirteen that he would be a good media presence? And he's pretty funny on uh, Manning Cast with Peyton. He's a, he's so corny with how much he makes fun of Peyton. That's that part is starting. To, that shtick has gotten old. Yeah, the the brotherly trash talk. They uh you just got to keep it PG enough, you know. They they can go PG-13 here and there, but it's just very yeah, a little, you know. I, I know what you're saying. That's run its course. I, I I could like snicker at it here and there. It's like it's like cute kind of, I guess, whatever, but I'm okay on that one. Um and hey, I mean, Kyron Williams did have a nice game. Longest run he had was 14 yards. So 
he kind of it felt like he it was pretty much confined to like that first quarter when they were just pounding the rock and they were really getting him involved and then it seemed like the Ravens deliberately tightened up on that I think they might have even said uh in the uh they might have said as much in their post-game comments uh and yeah it really it really kind of bore fruit there and uh it started, felt like very run heavy early then they got into the pass heavy and then the defense just sort of tightened it up for the most part save for that uh second to last drive where they went on the touchdown run to uh, Demarcus Robinson but uh yeah I- interesting game from uh the defense there. Maybe they were kind of knocking some of the rust off there. I think as Cole was saying early on coming out of that, uh, coming out of that buy, but uh, yeah, overall, overall very interesting uh, game out of that entire unit. It was. And I don't know. It felt like the Rams had a plan. And then the other side of the football, Todd Munkin. I don't know. I don't know. Some of the later stuff they did, especially in overtime, they had one complete breakdown of a play. I don't even remember what the result of the play was. I think it was on second and six, maybe after a Keaton William or a Keaton Mitchell run. It was like a was screen a- to one side and then like one route on the other side. And it was wide and there was just nowhere to go with the football. Is that where Lamar just threw up a deep shot to Beckham and yes, yeah, that, that killed that yes. drive. I don't know what that was supposed to be, but it was not it. That's in the in the moment, I was like, "Yep, yeah, that that's what just lost in this thing." I wanted them to just run it on uh, on second down, and then run it again, and then run it again if they didn't get it. And uh, listen, that's why I'm not an offensive coordinator. I was calling Todd out on that go ahead drive in the end of uh, regulation. Why aren't you running the ball at all? And uh, they wound up scoring a touchdown there and winning the game. So you know, I still didn't love the time management, but it worked out okay for them. I uh, I'm gonna have to have you filibuster for about thirty seconds. I've got to run to like, the little boys' room. Sounds like there's a uh, something going on there. Wow. Okay. All right, you had to run there, so uh, I, I decided to uh, decided to stop my filibustering session. But we're back now, and uh, my train of thought was pretty much just on you know giving credit to the Rams, giving credit to Matthew Stafford, as maybe you heard, and uh, you know eh, that's kind of all I got on this. You know, I, I've given enough mega culpas for the day. There we go, mega culpa. It's big. Guess that can get us on into our smooth AF smooth play of the week, presented by Smooth as Boop shaving, grooming, cleansing products. Smooth to me was Lamar Jackson ripping a ball over Aaron Donald on third and 17 to Zay Flowers. Just needed to see that kind of chutzpah from Jackson late in the game. Flowers himself, so confident with Nelson Aguilar. They deliberated and said that in the huddle, Nelson Aguilar said, I'm going to run the safety off. Zay Flowers is going to be open. And then Lamar, Lamar was able to just follow that. So Nelson Aguilar got a lot of burn in this one. I think he only had maybe two catches, but that was awesome. And Jackson made so many plays in this one, the two-point conversion, another one, uh, right after that to just be smooth, continue to look good, ran around in this one, looked fast, looked under control, uh, double moves, throwing the deep ball. And I think the one thing we also don't talk about is I thought he I thought it was ridiculous that he went as late in the draft as he did. I, I've always have. We thought he was going to be really good in 2019 when we started this podcast. We have always been huge on Lamar. He is driving the ball to the sideline, like quick little outs to Rashad Bateman against off coverage for a first down to Odell Beckham on a smash concept where he just can kind of lay it exactly once. The improvement of Lamar full field wise. And it feel like I did see a Twitter comment about it and I'll try and find it and give them a shout out. But I like the point that they made 
someone was getting into a little conversation on the clip I posted of the two-point conversion where they said that it feels like Lamar has been leaving his feet a lot to throw the ball. And they were wondering, is that because he doesn't want his feet getting trapped under him when there's a lot of guys around? It feels better if you can kind of just get lifted instead of having a stationary leg that can get rolled up on or something. Someone else kind of replied to it and was like, I think it's just him embracing his uniqueness mechanically. Like it feels like he's leaned in to being a unicorn type passer and throwing off platform and disconnecting his upper and lower body from each other and things like that. And I like that. It does feel like he has stopped conforming and trying to look the part, quote unquote. And part of that probably has to do with his contract maybe. But on top of it, he couldn't drive the ball to the sideline in 2018 and even in 2019 the way he can now. I mean, he's bigger, stronger. You can see it. And he is firing nukes to the sideline, just laser beaming balls, uh, able to go hit those throws that it felt like he couldn't early in his career. Definitely was a limitation to a degree, especially as opposed to other good or above average NFL quarterbacks. And that Zay Flowers throw was just smooth. He just, it was third and 17, but it didn't feel like it was at all. Felt like it was just, you know, third and five or second and 10 or something. There wasn't any panic about it. Just buttered it right out over Aaron Donald's head. Aaron Donald jumping, trying to swat it down. And to me, it was smooth. It was easy. And it was also with the game on the line. And playing with that type of control late and confidence in the pass game is something we didn't see very frequently under Greg Roman. If it was confident, it was a little bit more chaotic, I will say. Yeah, it felt like on the uh, two-point conversion there, he... Maybe not even talking about as much as being in control. It almost felt like he took some of that chaotic energy that we talk about with him sometimes in these clutch moments that can get a little concerning. And he channeled it into, you know, what do you always talk about? A little Super Saiyan moment where he leaves his feet, hits Zay Flowers somehow. I, I still don't like watching that back. Like, I, it just doesn't even make physical sense to me that he was able to make that throw in the air. And then uh, Flowers with a nice little toe tap there. So that was very smooth. You're correct about that. I'd uh, give a shout out to Tylen Wallace on this one uh, with the punt return. Obviously, there he's got a he's got to be at least named a co-winner in this. But uh, overall, I mean, I got to go with my guy John Harbaugh, not for a smooth brain of the week, which he has won at least once this year. I think maybe even more than once sometimes. But uh, walking off the field, man, with the uh, the camera in his face, just making up for all the body language woes that we've had. You know, just kind of punching at the camera a little bit, giving him a nice let's go. That was pretty smooth there by my guy, John, to uh, reverse his fortunes as far as the body language stuff goes. It, it was much needed, so that was very smooth on uh, old Juan Harbaugh's part. I agree, and I do think that gets him to the right frame of mind. And at this point, John, I'm talking right to you, John. I know you're listening. There's nothing to be 30 million trillion yards staring over. There's nothing worrisome right now. You're fine. You're in. You're pushing. It's, it should be the same kind of excited anxiousness, not upset or fearful anxiousness. You did it, John. You got back 10 wins, first team in the AFC. So start having a little bit more fun. Don't, you know, if, if, you, if they have some weird seance uh, overlay or, or extended period of doom feeling from how 2019 turned to this big, like, laughy dancy big trust show, if that's not the tone that they want anymore, that's all right. I could get that. But you can still have a little bit more fun. You could still give a little tss tss like you did. So look the part again, John. Get some color back in your face. Like pick it up, old man. Let's let's see it. Let's see those eyes get a little bit more uh, bright-eyed and 
that tail get a little bit more bushy. I, I fully agree. It was nice to see him be like, ha, Sean McVay, you thought you could come in here and beat me again a second time? Bop. Get out of here. Yeah, Go that, back to LA. That hair's not looking so good in this rain today, is it, bud? So, yeah. No, it, it was, wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he had the headset on, too. He was kind of setting himself up to fail there. Probably should have gone with the hat, but that's okay. But, so, yeah, good Good to see that from John, uh, even even unironically. It was nice. nice moment for him there. Um, before we move on, quick ad read for you guys additionally outside of Smooth AF. This is our other sponsor. It is Black Eyed Susan Spices. Just hit me up yesterday. They've got a new product on the market. It is incinerated by chocolate. I know you are a big death by chocolate guy, so you're going to like this. It's a little bit of a limited release. They said they only have about 214 bottles left uh, out there on the market as they had sent this. Uh, there were 250 total, but they've already uh, sold X amount uh, as they had sent it over. Wax dipped, hand numbered, signed by the three owners, one of them being our guy Sebastian, who we've been working with. Uh, this year's edition of this ultra hot sauce is made with vinegar aged in Leone rum barrels from St. Michael's on Maryland's Eastern shore, only available at the Mosaic holiday village in the Mosaic district in Fairfax, Virginia, this coming Saturday, Sunday, big news for Northern Virginia today there, uh, by the way. Uh, and that is mosaicdistrict.com slash events. So you can check that out to uh, see where you can uh, find some of it and on black code exit 52 for 10% off. So incinerated by chocolate aged with some, uh, Leon rum there. It's good stuff. Go ahead and check it out. Black Yeah. I was texting with uh Sebastian there and he said he was shocked at how boozy the vinegar smelled because of being in those Leon rum barrels. And I think I slightly offended him because I was trying to say the, Death by chocolate, the chocolate habanero. That's why it's death by chocolate. It's the type of habanero. It's not that there's, I think they put a little cocoa in it or something, uh, but it, it doesn't taste super chocolatey. And it is such a different burn or hotness than you get from other hot sauces. And I was trying to say that I was like, it's not as initially shocking as some. And I think I, I offended him. And then he sent me two YouTube reviews of the incinerated by chocolate, which I have not tried and do not have, but it is uh, one of the videos I watched. You can find this hot sauce absolutely destroyed us and incinerated by chocolate, the hotter not show. There were people like flailing their wrists and stuff at how hot it was when they tried it. So if you're a sicko and you want to get incinerated by chocolate, definitely go check that out. I love it. I'm going to try and get my hands on some of it. I want, I want to uh, feel the pain a little bit. So definitely check them out. Local company. We love them. Go get some hot sauce. It's winter. Put it in your chili or something. Go get some fucking hot sauce. It's that time of year, man. Get the get the crock pot going. Been making some chili lately. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, been a godsend to have their stuff around. So uh, go get yourself a care package of it right now. Maybe get a little stocking stuffer action going on. Promo code EXIT52 for 10% off. Tis the season for hot sauce. It most certainly is. So that leaves us with the Johnny Crab Cake of the week. And I'm going to go to my boy, Patrick Queen who I have been getting a little like crying eye, emo sad emoji of thinking about, I've been trying to not think about it, but the, the option of him not playing in Baltimore anymore would make me really upset. Like, I don't know why I, he's the first, he's the only guy that in my entire life as a Raven, we start this podcast. I interview him, get to talk to him. Obviously that whole debacle that went on him blocking me early <laughs> on. All, all that stuff. Like I am attached to that guy and the year that he's been having really the two years he's been having has been so rewarding for me. So affirming for me and to have that play go so viral of him just fucking demolishing a block and then 
just wrecking Kyron Williams and then getting up and beating his chest. It is just like, it makes me want to run through a wall, but it also makes me like want to cry a little bit. I'm very emotional this week about the Ravens. So I, uh, I'm going to give him my Johnny crab cake of the week for just hitting. And we saw, I saw John Ledyard who covers has covered the Steelers and the Bucks and stuff. He was on the draft network, which I think is actually dissolved now if I'm not mistaken. But he said the tape was too good at LSU for him not to figure it out eventually, which is the same thing as like Tremaine Edmonds in Buffalo, who's now in Chicago. And it was it's a, a good way to say it. like the tape was too good at too young of an age for him not to figure it out. And it is figured out. And I don't know. We just talked with Brad Spielberger on last week's jumbo set. And it's like, man, he's the classic player that they can't pay. Like that sucks really badly, especially when Justin Matabike, who easily could be getting the, uh, the Johnny C cake this week for from either one of us and maybe he's yours but especially when you got to pay that guy who's just on a baltimore ravens all-time heater this is the greatest stretch of pass rushing that any ravens interior defensive lineman has ever had so uh makes me really upset and i've just been trying to push it to the back of my brain and say you know i'm just going to enjoy the ride and i think that's a good thing to do with this ravens team this year who do have a lot of free agents and there is some uncertainty but they do have Lamar locked up and things like that, but it was just really fun. As I'm going through tape, you see Patrick Queen just calling shit out, hitting dudes in the mouth, playing confidently, beating his chest, picking his teammates up, and it's my Johnny Crab Cake of the Week, man. Love that guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a good pick, I think. Um, and a, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I think he uh, he actually, when he blocked you, that was right around the time that he followed me, and that was uh, that was just a fun dynamic. And then him following me really was uh, ultimately what led to you being unblocked. Oh yeah, so. yeah, it was all because you got me unblocked directly. Yeah, yeah. No. For those if you're if you're a newer listener, Patrick Queen blocked me because I tweeted during the COVID game 2020 Patriots uh, season and said, "Man, Patrick Queen just got run over in the hole." He blocked me like 15 minutes after the game, and then Jake was like, "Hey, you should unblock Spencer. He loves you." Then he did, and then I got to interview him. So there shout out go. to Jake. Yeah, all's well that ends well. Um, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's certainly a good pick, and uh, yeah, I uh, man, I feel like I, I'm gonna miss him because I yeah, I think he might be of all the guys, I think he might be. I wouldn't say pricing himself out necessarily, but it, it's just in a weird spot where they've already got Smith, they've drafted Trenton Simpson, and like we talked about with Brad, it's a sad reality. It's an you know uncomfortable reality sometimes, but you can't keep everyone. And with the heater that Matabike is on, he's not my pick either, but yeah, I mean, that guy is just freaking killing it right now. It's reminding me of uh, Elvis Doomerville a little bit, just with the sack production. They really just haven't had a ton of guys like that over the years. Uh, so it's, it's great to have that back. Uh, I feel like I kind of grew up as a kid with that, and then it went away throughout the 2010s, and then here it is again. So yeah, that's nice. But mine, I got to go with uh, my guy, Joe D, Joe D. Alessandris. And I just, I'm, I'm giving it to him on behalf of the entire offensive line who were platooning tackles left and right. All those guys are banged up. Kevin Zeitler playing through God knows what. He wants a new contract. Tyler Linderbaum, uh, I know he had a, a rough moment there with the uh, the snap, the errant snap. And then John Simpson is up and down and whatever, and he's memeable. But these guys are just grit and grinding, and you mentioned the fact that they're all still kind of hanging in there together despite all their injuries, and they're platooning guys in and out. And uh, I don't know, man. It just it seems like for the most part they're getting it done. They have their rough moments here and there, but this was probably one of their finest performances of the season and uh, you're going up against an Aaron Donald, and to keep Lamar Jackson as clean as they did, like I said, I feel like that was the key to unlocking this offense. So shout out to them, who I, I mean, to bring it full circle to back before the bye week, they played poorly against the Chargers, and that was really my concern heading into the bye, was these guys have to clean it up, and they, they cannot have a repeat performance of this. And 
thus far they're they're holding up to the task and they did it against uh probably the best defensive lineman to ever play so they did and they are so good now the one thing i would love to compliment them on it playing with lamar letting lamar dictate like just don't get in it in pass pro just don't get in his way don't hold someone if he takes a sack like it is kind of this is probably too harsh of a statement it's kind of always on him he always has the ability to break loose or get rid of the ball or run or something so it's kind of like just don't don't fucking screw the pooch completely and he'll figure it out way more often than he doesn't so I think they've gotten so good at moving with him in the scramble drill. And part of that was Kevin Zeitler, who definitely deserves a crab cake, just knocking the snot out of Aaron Donald. Did he get him in the back? A little tiny bit. He got him in the back a little bit. It was even enough where it's, you know, 50-50. It could have been thrown. I would have understood that. Uh, But they just kind of have understood the flow of having a quarterback that can help himself out by time, and they haven't been shooting him in the foot by – becoming the star of the show in a negative way. Like none of those guys have been having such a bad game or making so many mistakes that it's like, oh my God, this was the the Linderbaum game or the Simpson game or the you know Moses game. Stanley was teetering on that last last game, but uh, I think they've done a good job just keeping it quiet, playing with Lamar, letting Lamar rock and roll. So love that shout out and enjoyed it. The platooning that you mentioned, yeah, it's not a lot of teams do that. And we've talked about that a couple of times over the years. The Commentary afterwards from, I think, Harbaugh was that they just wanted to keep Moses and Stanley fresh. Gave him a little breather there. I guess maybe it was a long stretch of offense. I don't know what was going on. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Z had to feel like he was watching a hockey game. Like, he was live tweeting, like, these line changes, basically, of guys just, like, running back and forth. And Moses is And in it does there. feel like they want McCarry on the field. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't want him not playing a whole game. He does make plays. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's kind of, he's almost that perfect swing tackle with the size that he has and his mobility being a little better, the versatility, having played all these different positions. It's uh, it's great. So yeah, shout out to all those guys giving it to Joe D on all their behalf. Love it. I just want so those word vomit or word salad, whatever just came out of my mouth, that terrible noise. But how you feeling? How you feeling at this stature? I know you're a little sleepy. It's Tuesday night. We've had a little time to reflect. We've we've done our therapy, gotten all our words out. How do you feel about this team as things stand? How do you feel about this team with this stretch of games coming up, with the quarterbacks they play, with what the AFC looks like, and what you've seen so far this year? I don't know. I feel really good. Uh, I feel good. Shout out to uh, Tiger Woods. I feel, I feel good. Um, I don't know. It's just like they've had the, the three losses, obviously. Two of them I thought were very bad, but... Like we said at the time, you know, they, they were beating themselves, and that was cause for concern in and of itself in the fact that they're going to face tougher games. But look at this gauntlet they played. What are they, 7-1 and one in their last eight? I mean, you know, and one of them was to a Browns team that is looking pretty good at the moment. And if they had to Sean Watson right now, maybe they'd be looking even better, who obviously played awesome in that game. And, yeah, it's it just like what is there to do in the NFL at the end of the day other than win? Obviously, you want style points. Obviously, you want this and that, but you, you got to win. And the fact that they've gotten themselves to 10 and three, you know, they're relatively healthy here, knock on wood, 1000%. But it's just like I look at the 49ers, they certainly scare me. I think they're easily the best team in the NFL. But other than that, who who, who is this great team that really is striking this fear into my heart? I mean, it was the Chiefs every year before this. And I'm certainly still somewhat scared of the Chiefs, but it's not quite the way it used to be. And Vibes are certainly weird there right now. It just feels like the vibes are absolutely peaking. And it's also like you ask how I'm feeling like 
It's an interesting time when you ask that question on Ravens Twitter right now because there was a lot of trepida- trepidation in, on Twitter uh, in particular today talking about this whole idea of being afraid of getting the one seed because, oh, look what happened last time they did it. And then obviously everybody's an Orioles fan as well just saw what happened to them. And it's like, yeah, sure, but like at a certain point, like if they go to the playoffs and they just kind of ha- they have the one seed and they lay a stinker at home in the playoffs again, then – my man, you got bigger problems than winning the Super Bowl, I think. And you're going to have to deal with that. And if it does come to that, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So I'm not necessarily scared. And I'm also not scared because you talk about 2019 being this whole big trust fest and dancing up and down the field and everything is just sunshine and roses. Well, guess what? You got to go play a team who is, what, one game behind you in this race for the one seed here in the Jags? You got to go play the 49ers. You got to play the Dolphins for what could be the one seed ultimately. And then you got a... Uh, Division rival who's already beat you once coming into town for that last game of the year. They're going to be battle-tested no matter what happens uh, going into these playoffs. So ultimately, like, I'm happy about the fact that they've looked as good as they have, and it has looked good on offense in particular. It's very encouraging to me. Defense is held up there end of the bargain. They're going to be battle-tested down the stretch, and they're set up very well going into it at 10-3. and So what is not to feel good about? That's, that's the way that I would pose it back to you. I don't even know. I don't know how I feel necessarily, but I want them to beat the Steelers. Yeah. In week 18. Got to. I mean, like, I want them to beat the Steelers in week 18. I think that is time. I think that is like what will make me feel great about this team. Go punch that stupid, weird, gluttony, self imploding, but always on teetering on success team in the face. That is what I want to see from this team. The 49ers, like I said, I think all of these remaining games, and when I say all of them, I mean the three before that Steelers game, are all a litmus test. They are all a figure-it-out game. The 49ers have more talent than you do. They have more talent than anyone else does. I think it was Devin McCourtney on whatever he does, like 11 shows, saying they're the NFC All-Star team. Yes. If you lose there, I don't care, but figure it out. But week 18, I want to see them put tears in the eyes and snot in the nose of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that stupid team that keeps giving you so much trouble, punch them in the face. I don't care. I really don't care. I would way rather see any team that I ever am a fan of get the one seed and skip a game. I don't care. I don't care. You're more healthy that way. And it's one less game that you can lose. So I would always take that a million out of a million times. I will never not take that. But if they go beat that Steelers team, if they need to win them, if they need to win that game and Lamar Jackson starts, if they don't and Tyler Huntley, we haven't even touched on the fact they signed Malik Cunningham. I was going to say Malik Cunningham really is going to be starting that game. but Uh, Maybe. So whoever it is, punch that team in the fucking mouth. Punch them in the mouth. That's going to be at home. That's going to be before the playoffs. I think that the fan base is into this team. I think they're into the winning football. And you you brought something up. Just win. Just win, baby. Win. Just win. Just keep winning. They're playing winning football. They're making winning plays. And quietly, you know, say what you want about the Zay Flowers touchdown against the Chargers. It was a winning play. It was a decisive play. It was a dagger play. They go make another one. Tylen Wallace. They respond with the Zay Flowers again. So I like what I'm seeing. And I will say, when we're talking about all these teams... I think the Bills are the issue. If there's a team that gives the Ravens an issue in the AFC, I think it's Josh Allen. I think him and Lamar are one in the same. 
I think that they get these weird narratives about them. I think that physically they are two of probably the three, four most talented quarterbacks in the world. I think that their offenses are heavily quarterback-centric in a way that you feel stupid if they're not quarterback-centric, but it's taken a while to try to calibrate how to help and where to help and what the help needed is. Allen has, you know, digs, whatever. That defense is missing some horses in Matt Milano, Trey White. Von Miller is not, you know, panned out because of that ACL, whatever. But that Bills team, I am not surprised to see them win that division. I think they're going to win that division. If I, did, did they play the Dolphins twice or just once? Let's see the Dolphins schedule here. I think they might have already played them once. I'm seeing this I talk. I think they did. I think Prisco said the other day, like, oh, who's the good team in the AFC? Well, the Ravens, they're 10-3. and three. The Browns are a wild card. They're that's like the, that's like the thing right now. Who, who's good in the AFC? There are what seven, seven and six teams. Six, seven and six teams. There's like the, the AFC North has all winning teams. Yeah, like what what are we talking about? Like, do you do you okay? Like who who's good? Do you really want to play the fucking Chiefs in the playoffs? Like, do you want to do that? Because yeah, somebody's gonna have to. And I'm guessing the, they're the not NFC, gonna have a good time. The NFC has the Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers, Lions, who are a fraud. Cowboys, all of the teams, Cowboys, Eagles, the Niners with a winning record. Cowboys, all Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, Niners are the only of that three that I could see winning the Super Bowl. And I'd really right. only only the Niners would be the one that I'd be confident would be able to make it. I I, I fully agree. I think the Cowboys I'm I'm looking at the Cowboys and the Niners. I, I think the Eagles are a little beat up and a little tired and on a tough stretch of games. And they're going to have to pull themselves up by the bootstrap. I think that Super Bowl fatigue is is setting in super bowl loser fatigue is setting in maybe they can get out of it but i'm looking at the 49ers and the cowboys i'm looking at the ravens you mentioned the chiefs and i don't know the the two teams <laughs> i just gave the jags some credit two weeks ago trevor lawrence gets hurt christian kirk gets hurt they drop stupid games then i, I mean gave Bill, the Dolphins. Bill, yeah bills are battle tested i mean sean mcdermott we know he knows how to rile those guys up he's got all the motivational uh tactics in his toolbox there Oh, he certainly does. He'll he'll ruffle some feathers, that's for sure. He'll uh he's got those really, he's really, got a plan. really steer that plane wherever it needs to go. He's got a plan for those guys and they're sticking to it. They, you know, I mean that that's a cohesive group of individuals with a common goal in mind, that's for sure. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> Having to issue a statement about that. That's just... yeah, that's the drill tweet. The uh <laughs> Issuing a correction on one of my previous posts about the uh, terror group ISIL. You do not, under any circumstances, gotta hand it to them. No, you certainly don't, do you, Drill? So the Bills play the Cowboys this weekend, and that's in Buffalo. I'm gonna say, the, I'm gonna say, I, I'm, you know me, I like to look at everything, injury reports, everything. I'm gonna say the Bills win that game. I think the Cowboys are legit, and I think the Bills still win. And if the Bills win, I think they win that division. They got to get our guy Takio in there in the uh yeah, stick in, him in the corner. In the yeah, put him in the corner. Don't let him watch. Shove but, baby in the corner. Yeah. Shove your your ring of honor inductee or whatever he was that day into the corner. Yeah, and yeah, actually they did play the Dolphins I think because wasn't there that other picture of him in the Dolphins box where he was like just just doubled over in agony after the Bills lost at the end. <laughs> I was like I think that might have been last year, but this year they drew because this year they beat the crap out of the Dolphins. Did they? Okay, it was some game that Takio they they took a loss at the end, and he was just like doubled over, like in pain. I was like, man, this is a tough year for the Spike man. We're we're, we're struggling. 
him and that neck are just when yeah. that neck goes down when he's got his head down it takes a lot of effort to get imagine when he like down. gets angry at it, like watching the bills and the the you know you got to think the veins in that neck are just popping out the it's probably the second most impressive neck of all time behind mike tyson he's the trap king oh yeah so bills i think are i'm you know what i want like this is my fan fiction i want to see josh allen and patrick mahomes i want the ravens to get the one seed i want them to host the bills and then I want them to play the Chiefs. I want them to host Josh Allen and host Patrick Mahomes. That is what I want to see. I think that's what every fan of football in the NFL should want to see. I think that is probably the best entertainment value we will get out of the AFC. Is if the Bills can go win a game in the first round and the Chiefs can go win a game or win two games and we see Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes all go pop, pop, pop. And that would be a rematch for Jackson and Allen and the Ravens and Bills. Of that, uh, what was that? Twenty twenty one was that when they played January? Yeah, January twenty one. January twenty twenty one, and then we got to see Mahomes and Jackson at this point. I, I need it. I need that. I need that in the playoffs. So that would be fun stuff. That's what I'm looking towards. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of get your vibes. As I don't know, I think the stress level is down for a while. And hey, I might throw up on Sunday night at the Jags. I don't know how I'll feel in a couple days, but man. Feels pretty good to be a Baltimore Ravens fan, podcast, everything in between right now. So wanted to get a little, little temperature check there. And I think we're both feeling good, feeling relaxed, and a lot of fun. A lot of fun stuff going on. I'll One thing you, I'll say feels, to my buddies. It feels a lot better than it did 365 days ago. I'll, I'll say that much. Hell yeah, it does. I the one This is stupid, but there's what, there's the Ravens have nothing close to a thing. There's no thing of this team. Like for fans, there's no thing. They're very stock. And I don't know if that's a bad thing for a playoff run necessarily, but there's no what what was what do you think of when you think of the Ravens? If you don't follow the Ravens, you're not a Ravens fan, you're like, all right, they have Lamar Jackson and So you're you know. saying like they don't like jump through tables and they don't do uh vaguely uh racist chant. They, they don't chops. have the, the tu- there's not the tush push, there's not, yeah. you know, something that the fans do. They just kind of are just – they play football and they're winning football games and that's that. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Or- I think, honestly, it kind of goes into, like, the the corporatized culture a little bit. And, like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think, yeah, like, it, it's very, like – I think they're too cool to have a thing. Yeah. It's a squeaky clean image from, from an organizational standpoint, which is good, I think but maybe takes away a little bit of character. And then, yeah, it, it, you're, you're right. Like they're just kind of, they're just winning week in and week out. There isn't, there's no tush push to your point, but I mean, it's funny. It's almost <laughs> the way that works. It's like, wow, it's, it's a wonder the Eagles are so fucking beat up that the only way Jalen hurts to score touchdowns this year is getting his ass cheeks pushed into the end zone by 300 pound men. But um, yeah, overall, they're just kind of a well-balanced team, a little bit, uh, a little bit flubber-esque like he used to say. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say lacking for identity, but definitely not sticking out in the way that some other teams do. They are not. And we did have one thing that, hey, maybe this is the thing the fans can do. Maybe we can just all get super white trash. We have Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, there you go. There, there's a little McAfee character for you. Yeah, a little something. Little, little. I got Maybe Stavi's the thing. I was going to say. Ronnie is the thing. It feels like, I mean, people are really starting to connect with that. I mean, like if that's what Pat thinks all of us are, then that's probably a good thing. That gives us a... That gives us a uh, a national sort of national identity. 
with people. It does get that's the thing. I think Stavi is the thing. Yeah. There we go. They have a thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it's Ronnie. I mean, what Stavros Halkius, uh, Josh Charles. I mean, this is just a, a, a murderer's row. Carmelo Anthony. I mean, dream blunt rotation. Big boy playing at halftime. So here, I'll play the the Pat McAfee clip. We'll uh, we'll we'll get it going here. Which it was, I honestly loved it. I loved it. It was good. I, I liked your response to it. So every week, literally, him and Lamar are just learning more and more about each other. The offense is continuing to develop and get better. It's awesome to watch. Now, Matthew Stafford and the Rams could have got a, a win in Baltimore, and we wouldn't be saying this exact same thing. We'd probably be saying a little bit different. But in the end, they were able to get the win. And to your point, Unc, if Baltimore gets home field advantage over there in MT Bank Stadium, that's a real home field advantage. Not, not only because the weather is what it is whenever you're talking about playoff football in Baltimore, Maryland. But those white trash folks in Baltimore, they are <laughs> ruthless over there. They are a savage bunch. That is not an easy place to play, especially whenever their team is rolling. And that goes in great coordination with a good defense, an offense that can keep the ball and move it, and then special teams does their part. It's like they're the most complete team. I think they've showcased that all season. I think that's why we all have such a belief in them. But you know, any of these teams could suffer some injury, knock on wood, and changes everything. We're in a great spot right now. It's packed at the top of the AFC. It's packed at the top of the NFC. And we got some most important football right around the corner. It's a good year right now for the NFL. Things are flying high, Unk. Unk. So that's our thing, I guess. We're a bunch of white trash. So let's let's lean in. Feels like, yeah, feels like he's conflating that with Philly a little bit, but that's fine. I, I like Philly's fans. I think they're funny. And, uh, it, you know, if we get lumped into that I-95 quarter or, or a little bit, I'd much rather it be that way than the uh, the. But it way. feels like the Philly part has is like a caricature, but the Baltimore is like real. I don't know. It's like, oh, go, go birds, go birds, go birds for the Eagles. But ours is like, yeah, like, you know, Flacco's up there and freaking Cleveland, man, fucking slinging that thing. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you definitely choose to be a sports fan around here much more than you do up there. They have the four teams and you kind of just get swept up. You can it. kind of, yeah, you can opt out of being a Ravens fan yeah. here versus, versus Philly. It's much more intense up there. So that's what I think makes that you are opted in and you chose to be there and you choose to do it a little, a little different, a little more genuine maybe. But similar cities. I'd say Philly is the sister city of Baltimore. You got to be careful with that. They're getting a little uh, a little testy about uh, the M&T Bank uh, being nicknamed. I don't, care. I don't care what they are. They're a bunch of fucking nerds. Philly's a bunch of nerds. But all my Philly friends I have, they're a bunch of nerds. They, It's that same thing. They're forcing it too hard. They're really trying to stand out. And it's going to lead to a really bad toppling of those disappointing years that they're, it's you know, they're coming off of some success and stuff. I... I they're pushing too hard, and it's getting too synthetic. It's going to come toppling down. Yeah, I agree. It kind of feels like they're trying to like force this whole like next Boston thing, like City of Champions, but also we still yes. have a chip on our shoulders. It's a little incongruent, if we're being honest. So yeah, it, it's like you either got the chip on your shoulder and you're the lovable losers, or you're the City of Champions. You got to figure this thing out. And you know they they've got the one Super Bowl, which is great, and obviously they've been in. I think they were in the World Series, right? So you know they've they, they've won some. They've won in our lifetime. They've won some stuff. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I've got like one of my best friends. He's uh he's very like consciously the anti like stereotypical Philly fan. I watched the Super Bowl with him last year and man, you talk about a repressed emotions after what happened there at the end. Like it's the opposite of like what a Philly fan would do, you know, running down the street and like breaking car windows and eating horse shit. Although I guess they did that after they won. So I don't know what happened after they lost, but shout out to my guy Adam. 
he was kind of going the other way. Yeah, we're we're the more genuine white trash down here, a little little south south of the border there. So we got the real shit. Chaps pit beef, baby. Fuck a cheesesteak. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, you're really you're you're kind of starting to give Stav a run for his money here. You were kind of walking down. It looked like a little wire season two uh, esque, you know, set scene that you were on. Kind of working the uh, working the accent there. I, I like your. I you had somebody on Twitter tell me that I'm stealing his bit, and it's like, brother, I live where those people are. I live inside of that still today now, but I'm not allowed to do an impression of someone around here. Like, all right, give me a give me a break. Ever heard of a, an homage, brother? And I mean. The first ever article I wrote for Baltimore Beatdown, I was talking about the way that people in Looney's in Bel Air pronounce Flacco. Blair. So, screw you guys. Stavi's great. I love it. He's great. That's our thing. We're a bunch of white trash. So, so I work with this guy who's uh, he doesn't live here anymore, but it's funny. He's like we he, like we all work remote, but like he's actually from here originally. He lives down in Florida now, and um, we were like at this party when we were down in Mexico, and this uh, this uh, other kid that I work with is in uh, Charlotte. And he didn't really like know much about the accent. And um, this guy uh, pronounces uh, Bel Air Road to him and he just goes Blair Road. And I was like, did you, you hear what he just said? You, you hear how he said Blair Road? And he's like, yeah, I was like, he's saying Bel Air. So there you go. That's the Baltimore accent. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I, I told him to watch The Wire and he'd figure it out. My favorite is police. Police is good, but you also got police, which is like the uh, yeah, singular yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the singular. Uh, uh, I like tense. police. Yeah, police is good. I think that's the best way to yeah. encompass it. Cement, payment, um, all that. Cement's stuff. a good one. Yeah. Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. South. We got head down. I haven't head down. I haven't head down New Chaps yet. New Chaps just opened up. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'll have to check it's, that out. It's right next to the it's same parking lot, but they built like a huge actual restaurant. So boys will boys will head down there. I'm down. Well, we, uh, we we needed that. We got into therapy. We've, we've pitter-pattered around towards the beginning, I'd say, but I, this is a good session. This is a very good session. Yeah, I think so. It's always uh, always good to uh, go into these games a little bit more in detail. I think we did a nice job on that Sunday recap episode, but uh, it always kind of is in the heat of the moment. So I'm scared time. to go rewatch that. I won't click on it or watch it because I don't know what I was saying on there. I The last thing I said to the franchise was, should I chug three beers and – filled up a, a gigantic jar of three beers and then chugged it and then did that. And then just, I don't know what I was saying on there. One of your finer, one of your finer opening monologues, I would say it was kind of Cronkite addressing the nation esque, uh, but with much more emotion packed behind it. You, you mentioned crying a few times. Obviously you had, uh, you'd had the episode where you remove your clothes after that uh, touchdown and everything. So yeah, it was great. What a day for you. It was a day I did. Yeah. Being on NFL films with my shirt off has always been a lifelong gold mine. So I'm uh, forever cemented into the legacy there. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's got to be the crowning achievement right there. So we've done it. And with that, we've done an episode. So like and subscribe. YouTube, go check out, put out some film content, some fun things on the way. We are trying to get geared up to join the tailgoat and have some live pregame streams, hopefully at the end of this season, potentially on New Year's Eve, potentially against the Steelers. We're, Trying to get that all fingered out right now. And we are excited for next year. Got a lot of fun things in the works. The boys are cooking up some gas. We have a really, really delightful new logo. Sweatshirt, t-shirt coming out. It was designed by a a buddy of Eric's that looks sick. So stay on the lookout for that. We think it is going to be sweet to wear to Orioles games, Ravens games, 
all kinds of stuff like that, or just rock round down, you know, Ford Avenue or wherever you are, Mondam Mall, wherever you are. So, uh, you know, check that out. There you go. Love it. Love you. Uh, just casually slipping that in there. We're going to need more of that. Uh, Maybe we'll do our own Ronnie's Ravens. Maybe we'll just do we'll film TikToks and uh, put them out there. And uh, we've invited him on. He should have been on here by now. Yeah, the, listen, the invitation remains open. So I, I'd love to uh, love to check. He's doing the media rounds right now. I think he's got a new special out. So he's he's been on like Eisen and PMT and all that kind of stuff. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, okay. That is uh, that is certainly an episode. He already mentioned all the YouTube uh, stuff. You go ahead and hit us up there. Subscribe, like, throw us a comment, help that algorithm get pumping. You can find us on Twitter at XF52Podcast, on uh, Twitter, like I said, Instagram as well, and TikTok, all XF52Podcast. And then find us individually on Twitter at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer's at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four. Uh, Eric is at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Brian at Barstool Banks. And Taylor at Taylor Smythe 10. Thanks as always for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again in a few days. Exactly one hour on the dot 60 minutes. See ya. And they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Oh, God. Yes, sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me.